Hello, good people, and welcome to the Amateur Hour. My name's Justin. My name's Tyler. And we are back again. It's been quite a while, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> uh, well, we've been, we did our Christmas break, right? We did the three episodes. I hope you guys enjoyed December and all the things we talked about. YouTube, I'm sorry for the late upload in terms of episode nine. Big apologies. Um, but, you know, to be brief and not to be too personal and getting into personal life, uh, I just, it, a lot of this, I have to admit, it's on me in terms of uh, recording the next episode. There comes a time in life where you, you're going to run into hard times and difficult times, and I, I, I don't think that there's any huge explainer needed in terms of having your moment of, you know, falling down and uh, being stuck. I was just battling a lot of, uh, you know, just personal emotions and a lot of things that I had to go through before I stepped in back in the podcast and ready to start recording for you guys because I, you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or a Damper or let a lot of my personal life uh, interfere with wanting to entertain, with wanting to talk, uh, because that's what this podcast is about, right? Maybe sometime I will um, briefly discuss at least what I was sort of battling with. Um, so that way, you know, because in this podcast, we, we, listen, our slogan is we talk about life, tech, and everything geeky. So sometimes life gets messy and we, we talk about the messes. And we talk about how we get through the messes. And I think that'll be definitely interesting to discuss again because it's been a while since we've, you know, talked positivity and and, and uh, all that stuff. And so, yeah, you know, it, it, this podcast is made for us to be very open uh, with each other and be open. So, but as of right now, again, uh, I hope you guys understand there was a lot emotionally that I had to deal with and sort of get through uh, it was a little bit tough for me so with that said we're back we're stronger than ever uh, we're very excited we have three months of this uh, or technically two if you count, don't count this month because it goes up in February so um, I do want to say, like, I'm, I'm excited. We have three more months. We end in May is our final episode. Normally by that, I think, second to first Friday of May, we end season three. Now, I hope you guys have been enjoying. I hope you've been sharing. I know you guys have definitely been loving the Spotify pl playlist, SoundCloud, uh, and Apple Podcasts. You guys are eating it up. And we're also on Google Podcasts, too, by the way. Um... But I know that y'all are enjoying yourself, and I'm super happy to see that. Um, and uh, if you prefer YouTube or on that too, be sure to share it. Uh, I definitely have to say, make sure for YouTube, in order for us to sort of get out there in the algorithms, make sure you do drop a like, because believe it or not, that does matter uh, if our content is being pushed. And subscribe, hit the notification bell. I know that we're not as... Um, how would you say, uh, 
informative or updating you guys as frequently as we should again we never claim to be the best at, in terms of like our social media pages and stuff like that but please follow because we are genuinely trying to get things set up for uh the social media we're trying to figure it out so that way we can communicate with you guys and update you guys so when we're not going to be uploading and when we are going to be uploading um and we definitely were trying to pride ourselves in terms of uh, being consistent this year. And we have been fairly consistent, dropping three episodes a month. Um, so, yeah, we will make sure definitely by next season that we're getting things, you know, a little bit worked on. But it's it's tough sometimes, right? Like, you have to make sure. And same goes just not just for me, but also for the other hosts of the podcast, right? Like Austin and Tyler that we are in a good place and are comfortable and ready to record for you guys. Uh, we just want to make sure that in, in terms of that, that, that we're in a good place. And I want to make sure that everybody's in a, in a good place. So I would hate to force anybody to, to record. And that's the lovely thing about the amateur hour, right? We're all amateurs. We're getting here. We're learning things. And we have the option to sort of choose our schedule and the things that we do. Know that next season, it's still probably going to be three episodes every Friday uh, or that Friday to Saturday to Sunday. That weekend time, we will have an episode up uh, three times a week still next season. Uh, it's going to be very exciting season because new things, new life, new just tech, always new tech. Um, so... We're definitely going to have a lot to talk to you guys about. And, and, and you know, uh, there's something new that that we have set up recently. Uh, I got a new mic. Because <laughs> uh, just a little side note to everybody, I just wanted a better mic. <laughs> well, and also, uh, I, I am stepping into the career of voiceover. So um, that's going to be starting up soon. I'm going to be a grad college graduate. So that means like I'm definitely going to have some time on my hands now uh, a little bit more to make sure that I'm putting a lot of focus on the podcast. So things are going to start happening. Things are going to start rolling again. We apologize for not being up, able to upload. We have again three more months and the season's over because we take breaks on summer because we want to recharge and come back for you guys. Loki, we record one month before in in before september because you know we like to still record <laughs> all right just give away all the secrets <laughs> it's okay you know it's not really that huge I of mean, a, know everything i know too much we have we have, you know it's just we get, we're excited to record so we do record in the summer for them technically right <laughs> But just one of those things where, like, don't tell anyone or else we're gonna have to kill you. <laughs> yeah, Justin giving away all our secrets. Next thing he's gonna tell you the exact same, the exact time and day of the week that we record. Yeah, so today is no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so <laughs> with that said, I mean, we gotta transition life, right? <laughs> we were talking about life, and you know what's nice about life video games, and you know, we're avid lovers of video games, but. I know someone here who's a bigger avid lover of classic video games, that is. Go ahead, Osti. <laughs> Dude, uh, I don't think it's any secret that I'm probably the video game guy on here. Even though I wouldn't classify myself necessarily as a gamer, I just appreciate it a lot. Um, 
But recently, so yesterday, uh, I decided, you know, I, uh, being single, I have a lot of free time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and hit up all the, like, non-GameStop game stores in the town next to me. It's a pretty big town. And so I hit, you know, like, I think it was like six, seven locations. And I was looking for certain titles. I, like, uh, I probably should have said this at the beginning, but I collect uh, certain video games because that's, like, the nostalgia. I love the nostalgia. And I mainly just collect games that I had as a kid or games that when I was a kid I wanted to have. Um, and so it's mainly, like, Nintendo 64, uh, GameCube, and uh, Wii. So... I went out searching for a few games and I not realized because I've been watching this guy on YouTube. He like he resells on Amazon and eBay and he's always finding all this cool stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go and do this and I'll find a bunch of games and spend too much money and I'll be happy. Um, wrong. I, you know, like I said, five, six, seven stores failed. I bought one game. And it was just to replace a disc of a game that I don't think the disc works anymore. I did not realize how much, how picked over video game stores are now when it comes to those older titles. And uh, it was funny. I was at one store. It was the smallest store I went to. It was actually the store I bought a game from. Uh, and they had they had like they had like their GameCube section was like all sports titles and they had their Wii uh, collection which was you know still had quite a bit of stuff in it because the Wii like Wii sold so many of everything like there's a ton of it and then they had um, their Nintendo 64 collection which was one game Um, and then in behind the counter in like this glass box I guess they it's their expensive games uh, box. And there was a ton of Nintendo 64 games, all of them at least $40. And then there was a GameCube game in there, which I own two of, but they are selling it for $230. I was like, oh my God, a lot of money. Um... It's just like in general, it's just really difficult as somebody collecting video games right now. Like the, ever since the pandemic started, I guess it became popular to collect, and that's when yeah. I started collecting. But it's not really just video games, too, though. That's you know, when I went to go sell my Xbox 360, you know, I I went there. I had, I mean, Justin knows I had a good handful of games. Um, I had a special edition Xbox, the special edition controller, the Wi-Fi module, the bigger hard drive, um, all that stuff. I went to GameStop, and part of the reason, or part of the problem is, GameStop is in it for money. They're not in it for collectors. They're not in it for the community. They offered me like 26 bucks for everything. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's straight up ridiculous. And I guarantee they would have put my Xbox up there for probably a few hundred at least. And the games, they were offering me like pennies on the dollar for the for the games. And I guarantee they would have put them up on the shelf for almost full price. Yeah. But And it's like that for everything. I mean, you go to, uh, 
I, I, I'm not going to even mention names of stores because I don't even I can't even remember them all. But there's places you go to and they got like the old iPods, the old iPhones, you know, just old electronics, little laptops, tablets, computers, the different game consoles, everything. And you look at them and it's like this thing is used. It's somebody's old trade in. You have no idea how it was treated. And they're asking like 15 percent uh, MSR, 15 percent lower than MSRP. What kind of deal is that? And it's the same thing for the old music CDs, the old video games. It's like you walk in there, these stores never have anything. It's so hard to find because if I go into this store and I'm looking to trade games, they don't do trades anymore. You you can't get an equal value game for an equal value game. No, you can only do, I'll give you 16 cents for your disc, but you still have to give me $15 for mine. Like yes. the community just doesn't work anymore. It definitely is um, pretty different. I mean, so in terms of like reselling, because I I, I do kind of collect, right? Like, um, for anyone you know who does know me, I mean, it's it's definitely worth explaining. I I collect a lot of Xbox, right? Like I have the classic Xbox. I have like three generations of the the three six, or no, I have like two generations of the three sixty. Uh, I had two generations. Oh, I do have two generations of the Xbox One, and uh, eventually I'll have two generations of the Series X, <laughs> or the Series, you know, Xbox Series series. <laughs> um, so I mean, I I love to collect, right? Like I love to collect the classic Xbox games, through sixty games, and all this stuff. Um, and I I actually also have a PlayStation One and a bunch of old school PlayStation One games. With that said. I also know a lot of collectors, like people who really love to uh, connect and talk with people. And so a part of that, um, it's definitely worth discussing is that like when you're making sales of like uh, retro video games and stuff like that. Oh, I also collect Game Boy Advance. So um, you there's like a certain website and I, I got to get my friend to give me the website name. Um, but this website will literally tell you what all of your retro stuff is worth like either if it's packaged or unpackaged it has uh an idea of the pricing um, um i don't want to interrupt you but go ahead. the name of the uh website is probably called price charting it's Possibly. uh i use it Possibly. Use, that's what i use and it like every month it gives you a breakdown of uh, what each piece of your collection is worth, like my Switch collection, my Game Boy collection, all that stuff. It'll like break down your collections by uh, console, and then it will also tell you like your most expensive games that you own and like the total of what your stuff's worth. Okay, so then that, see that that right there might sort of be it then. Um, yeah, because that's uh, that's how you kind of know you're getting your your value when you're selling to these places. Like out here, we have um, this uh, sales place called Disc Replay. Absolutely fantastic, great movie value you're getting. Tons of movies they have to choose from. Uh, you can get like I don't know, like fifteen movies, both Blu-ray or uh, regular, you know, CD. And you're going to get, uh, how would you say, maybe like for like four bucks a pop each movie and they're in good condition. But also they sell video games there. And I'm sure that if you go to one of these places, you got to make sure that you're getting that bang for your buck. 
but probably people aren't looking at like that website you said, Austin, that we're kind of discussing, and they just end up, to Tyler's point, selling these video games for like a really cheap price or something like that, or not wanting to sell them, which then kind of then Ergo offers the 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 lesser ability to find these retro games which is kind of unfortunate and i think too and that's part of the problem too when you go to trade in at those places um they they all work the same way but i've actually talked to a guy at gamestop and he straight up told me i am not going to give you what this game is worth because my store requires us to sell it at such a percent markup that it's impossible for me to lose money on it. Every store works like that. You know, you you used to be able to go to like a comic book place and sometimes they would sell video games or sometimes you would have the old um the old game cartridges and you would be able to trade cards, trade comics or trade game cartridges and stuff. And they would go for, you know, okay, this yours is worth 15 but mine's worth 20. And they would actually say, "Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you it for five bucks in your cartridge, and you'd actually get the value over and over, and it was more about the collection and more about the um, community doing it. But now, today, you can't go into that same place and do it. That same cartridge is going to get $40, and if I want to trade a cartridge for it, they're going to be like, well, it's only worth $3, so you still got to pay $37. Well, I will say that, I can at least vouch for disc replay if you guys are looking to trade in, and at least I don't I I don't know if they're any in anywhere else besides Indiana, um, or at least Northwest Indiana. Uh, but regardless, I will say that they again they're very fair in their pricing. Uh, so that's pretty good to hear. It, I think you just gotta really look for the right store that is genuinely like the classic you know, uh, setup of, you know, we, we trade for a good value, <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. to speak. So, I mean, you know, I think too, Austin, the reason why we're not able to find a lot of these classic older consoles or, um, video games is that video games, if you notice, they've become like very mainstream now. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that with that, you have a lot of now people buying up the supply they're like you know what i have money to spare uh i really like maybe the switch right for example and they're like i'm gonna buy a nintendo 64 so they go out and they buy themselves a nintendo 64 and get all the classic games and they're like wow this is actually pretty good (laughs) you know i think that's a, a part of it yeah yeah i think it is i think they're um I think that with the pandemic starting, I mean, like, if you just look at, like, the analytics and stuff, they say that, like, the pandemic has caused a major boom in gaming, like, for people of all ages. Um, but I think that it uh, really helped the gaming industry because it's brought so many eyes onto it. And the downside of it is that so many people are interested now, which is a good problem to have, is that... There's so many people, there's just not quite the supply. So games are appreciating in value. Um, and some games are really hard to find. Like, I want to start a Super Nintendo collection. The first game I want to buy for it is uh, is a uh, 
Mario game. It's Mario RPG. And um, it's like $150. And I'm like, oh, man, that's a what a way to start a collection. Spend 150 bucks on one game. And yeah, you and all that totally makes sense. Console. It's, you know, it, it, it all makes a lot of sense, too, because, you know, you the pandemic. I, I hate circling back to this whole pandemic garbage, but it, it seems to control a lot of things right now. Oh, yeah. But you, you become... Okay, it's it's been a few years. You're used to taking a vacation. You're used to spending a big chunk of money on something, going out and doing something. But now you're stuck at home and you're not doing those things as much. So you're 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 appreciating what you have in your house more. And you know, Austin being a game collector that he wants to go back to his childhood and get either what he wanted or what he didn't have and you know all that kind of stuff or what he used to have and get it again. It's it's people exactly like Austin where they'll go to the store and be like, well, I was going to spend $3,000 on a vacation, but I can't. But I really, really like the stuff I was a kid, and I really, really want to have this collection. <laughs> they'll go blow all their money at that store because what else are they going to do? But uh, now I they think... have something that they invested in that they can appreciate. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense that the stores are just being like shelves emptied. <laughs> it's like this, this physical locations. It's very hard to find stuff. Now, eBay, Amazon and stuff like that. You can find basically any game. The problem is, is that it's just, there's nothing better than, and one of the things I, I'm sure you guys feel it too, like the nostalgia of going into the store, browsing through pre-owned it's games. Like going to the movie theater. You know? That big bucket of popcorn, you, you, you're you buying your little paper ticket for him to tear off for you to walk into the theater. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's I'm going to the store, touching it, feeling it, doing it. Yeah. Except going on eBay, going up here, this guy knows that it's not in any other stores near him, so he can ask 20 more bucks, and you just have to hit enter or click buy. Yep. It's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same, and, and also, like, with... Uh cartridge games specifically not necessarily with discs also run the risk of people making fakes of them i've definitely bought a couple fakes in my i'm collecting and didn't realize it until afterwards and then you go and you're like oh well this is fake i want a refund and the store that you bought from is now gone off of ebay so it's uh it's made some things difficult uh i think also i think just in generally where i live there's not uh uh, not as, as big of a like market. For you know, eBay will help you with that, right? Yes, yeah, I, I know they'll help you with it, and they're pretty good about that stuff. Since all those buyers or all those sellers have to get their money through PayPal, and so eBay owns PayPal, so bada bing, bada boom, they'll get you your money back. But um, yeah, it's it's just very it's just very interesting. I think it. Uh, it sucks, but also when you do find that game fit in person, like there was one game I, I didn't buy because I wasn't going to get anything from that store or anything else. And I was like, ah, I'll, I'll just not. And then I ended up buying a game and forgetting about it. And I was like, dang it, I could have bought that game because it's one I need for my N64 collection. But um, like when you do find that game, it's just going to feel extra, like even better. It's going to feel so nice 
get that game because you spent all this time trying to find it and now you're finally gonna you finally found it right and, i mean it's part of the hunt you're going around uh, i'll compare it to the uh, pokemon game where you're going around hunting for all the pokemon it's the same thing for the video games but when you get to hand him the cash and you put it in a bag and put it in your car and go home I mean, I 100% agree that that part right there is just like, I mean, you, you're holding it. It's better. You're not waiting for a package. You're like, sweet, I have it. And then you put it on the shelf or you plug it in to make sure it works and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, hit up, hit up all those stores. That day way better. Yeah, it's like uh, running around in the in the grass on a certain route on Pokemon. The grass is all of these game stores, and you're just hoping you're going to hit like, and you're going to be like, oh, I don't want Rat Rattata. I want a freaking <laughs> Snorlax. Uh, yeah. And it's, I mean, it is rewarding. It's definitely rewarding for sure. But really I also, I also think one thing that I don't don't do, and this guy that I watch does, is he'll go into pawn shops and he finds a lot of stuff there. And I don't know why. I just like uh, uh, something about pawn shops. Like, I think maybe it's just because when I was little, there was like. A, there was a show on the History Channel, and it was like a pawn shop in Detroit, and there was also always crazy stuff happening. And so, <laughs> pawn shop just kind of scare me a little bit. I'm like, oh god! Like, it was always kicking people out. People were pulling uh, weapons out in the store and like threatening things. And I'm like, uh, that's scary. So it's like it kind of hurt me on pawn shops. But pawn shops I got are decent. They're they're okay. I think. If anything, you'd probably be able to find more retro stuff in like a flea market. Um, a pawn shop is gonna be more reliable to what it's actually worth, and if it's a real product, a game store like Disc Replay, GameStop, even though GameStop sucks, but those kind of stores usually you have a younger kid that is like kind of a nerd behind the counter. But he's more about getting his paycheck. A pawn shop, they have people that, you know, they sit there and they study and they know what to look for, for a real or a fake. So nine times out of ten, when you go into a pawn shop, you know you're looking at most like your real stuff. And it 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 might be a better collector's opportunity. But what you also have to understand is that guy behind the counter, he knows how much this item is worth, you're not going to get the deal. You're going to pay what it's worth. Mm -hmm. Well, another good thing, though, about, like, you say that, but I've also, like, just watching and just doing research and stuff. You are, like, at stores, like, you know, Disc Replay, GameStop. Um, I don't know. You guys might have Vintage Stock and Game Exchange. They're not going to change the price, really, on anything. At pawn shops, you can negotiate with them, and they're not going to get offended. They're gonna be like, hmm, okay. Like I've watched a guy, he'll be like, show me all your show me all your PlayStation 4 games. And you he looks yeah. at them all and he's like, I will buy seven of them if you can give if I can buy them for this price total. There you have them listed at 150. I'll buy all seven for 110. And it's like pawn shops look at it, they're like, I can move inventory and get more inventory out. And I'm only losing out on $40 because more than likely they paid very little for those things. Because when people are pawning stuff, selling stuff to pawn shops, they're, they're just trying to find any amount of money a lot yeah, of times. Yeah. 
They're just kind of and, like and a lot of time too, you can also talk to this guy. Like, let's say you walk into a pawn shop, and there's clearly more tech stuff in there. There's more video games, computers. There's more of that stuff in there. So now you can look at the guy that owns the pawn shop or like the main guy in there, and you can kind of talk him up a little bit about all the old nostalgia and all the old stuff like that. And if you get the relationship with that guy, you know, all of a sudden it's a little bit easier to make deals and stuff with him. Whereas that kind of stuff is also like, it's pretty much impossible at a store. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like a pawn shop for a real collector going to a pawn shop is probably one of the better places to look into, but you still have to go to the stores because there's still that chance that there's going to be something rare on the shelf and they might not even know the rarity of the item. They just know we gave you $5 for it. So we got to put it on the shelf for $25. Yeah. Yeah. I think, think, you know, what's nice about retro gaming um, and this idea of retro hunting is that I, I think that everybody should do it. Right. And the only reason I do that, especially if you've always been like a gaming geek is because I think it's, it's going to be nice someday when you have, you know, future kids, or even if you just have a partner to just one day say like, this was my childhood. This It's like a blast from the past, a piece of history uh, that you're a pop culture history, right? That you're going back and you're viewing and taking that time machine to a time when, you know, either it was simpler in your head or some of the best times of your life. And I, I think, yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of, you know, retro collecting and, and just going out there and doing that, not simply just to hoard things. It's literally just because it's history. It's your childhood. It's, and hopefully you can pass down that love of gaming or that, you know, that particular love down to uh, your, your family and, and the people that you, you make later down the line. But with that said, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, which is nice. And I was going to add just one thing to what Tyler was saying. Uh, Cause you talking about making relationships when I was in high school, uh, I started collecting a little bit. Like I had, I had a game that was my favorite game. I rumble in the sacred stones. My parents bought it to me on, bought it for me on accident. I was supposed to go in for one game, bought the wrong game and I got it. And I was like, Oh, so upset in love with it. Well, it disappeared. And there was a small game store in the town just north of where I lived at the time. And I would go, I went in there like multiple times trying to find it because GameStop didn't have it. And what, one time it did have it and then it didn't work. So I had to take it back. But um, I went in, you know, two or three times and asked him. And he was like, you know what? He's like, you obviously want this game really bad. He said, give me your phone number. And the moment that game gets traded into me, I will call you. You will be the first person I call, and I will hold it for you if you want to buy it and whatever price I sell for it. I was like, awesome. Sounds good. So I didn't have to go in anymore, like, every week. So about, I think it was like a month and a half, two months later, I get a phone call from this number I've never seen before. Answer it. And he says, hey, is this blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, uh, I had this game traded in, and I'm selling it for, I think it was like $35. And he's like, are you interested? And I said, yes, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And <laughs> so those type of relationships are really, really cool. And fortunately, since I don't live or did anymore, that relationship isn't what it was before. But like, 
did all kinds of cool stuff for me. Like I had an Xbox One controller that wouldn't work, and so and it was because of the faceplate. So he just took my faceplate plate off and just gave me a whole different faceplate for free. And it normally would have cost like twenty bucks. So um, those relationships are really important in the gaming industry because you can run into stuff and. Even making relationship with other collectors, because some person might change their mind and not want to collect that kind of game anymore. And then they'll be like, hey, I'll sell it to you for a certain amount off. I just want to get it out of my way instead of trading it at GameStop and being less or selling it myself. So, yeah, those my really favorite thing, important. I just want to add this before we, before we, before we uh, end the topic. My favorite thing is when you are in these stores and you're talking to the guy behind the counter about a certain item, or you're looking for a certain item, and then another guy comes into the store, not part of the store, just coming in the shop. This is, again, those relationship things, and all of a sudden, you guys make a deal like, in the store, but then the store's like, well, hold on, you you, you can't make deals in my store, but you just did. <laughs> yeah, like, it just goes between doing. collector and collector, I mean, those kind of things are just awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, very true. Uh, but with that said, we do have to go to a quick break. I hope you guys enjoy this quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Enjoy High Octane Gaming with the Grim Reaper live on Twitch. Watch the Reaper as he plays through a plethora of game titles, such as Call of Duty Warzone, Call of Duty Zombies, Valorant, Minecraft, and more. Join him as he competes against high competition in COD Warzone tournaments for large cash prizes. You can catch the Grim Reaper streaming Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, 6 to 11 p.m. CDT. Just search twitch.tv forward slash the Grim Reaper. Link in the bio. Looking for a fun new way to eat popcorn? Then I have the place for you. Kelly's Kernels has 68 flavors to choose from. Try out their delicious birthday cake flavor or their cheesy cheddar flavor. If you want to go classic, the Chicago style flavor is for you. Either way, you have a wide variety of flavors to choose from. But that's not all. They offer other treats such as shaved ice, cotton candy, and mini melts. Be sure to enjoy the dine-in experience and bring the whole family. So come on down to Kelly's Kernels, where it's always poppin'. Located at 13226 Lincoln Plaza Way, Cedar Lake, Indiana. Link in the bio. And now we're back from that word from our sponsors. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, we've definitely have to say we enjoyed having these sponsors. They've been absolutely fantastic with us. The Grim Reaper Gaming at Twitch TV uh, or The Grim Reaper uh, at Twitch.tv uh, is absolutely fantastic to watch i mean you guys should check out his streams he streams about i think three to four days a week it says it in the sponsor ad so if you're paying attention but um go over and check him out send him some love he's on social media as well he's got a bunch of twitter pages and and, and all that jazz and so uh his link is also in the description so if you want to check him out anybody we affiliate with either making music the art that you see, the animations that you see, all of that is, all those individuals are linked in the description. So make sure you check them out. If you like BMMB's art, again, link in the description. Go follow them over on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you like the song 
It's by the wonderful and fantastic Adam Stone. Uh, he's a great musician. You got to check him out. Again, link in the description. Uh, and as well as uh, we can't forget about Kelly's Kernels and the wonderful popcorn that they deliver. Um, also, link in the description. And if you're in the Northwest Indiana area, I fire you. Go down to Kelly's Kernels, get some popcorn and other delicious treats. Uh, and uh, yeah, so with that said, we're gonna get back into topics, get back into what's happening kind of currently. Uh, so we were talking about how like the pandemic's changed a lot, right? Like it's changed podcasts, it's changed, it's it's had such an impact on our lives and one of the biggest impacts is that we have to make sure that we're wearing these masks that uh, are keeping us safe keeping us healthy keeping us you know from from catching covid or and keeping us alive but yet very comfortable masks uh that are comparable to an n95 mask well there's a company a special gaming company that has, uh, that I think we all should know, Razer, uh, that normally develops uh, keyboards and they develop uh, mouses and other stuff for, for gaming. I believe even controllers and headsets. They are developing, and they're one of the first, you know, people in the gaming sphere to develop something like this, masks. They're developing their own sort of... Uh, N95 style mask that has two side ventilators with, uh, I believe, two fans in them, and you could exchange out filters. It's got also these RBG lights that you can adjust however you want, um, as well as the mask covering is it's kind of unique. So it, it, those side filters kind of go into this one centralized part that is really tight to the face, and um, to be honest, it, I mean, it, it, it looks like it's going to give you a lot of coverage. But it's just so crazy to see that a gaming company has developed a mask. And not including that, there also is a microphone inside the mask. And it allows you to, once you download the app, you could change all the, the RBG. As well as you can change the voice that is coming outside of the mask. So that way people can hear you more. Like They have like Bane and a bunch of other... Uh, different voices that you can do which i think is kind of crazy and i'm curious on your guys's take and uh and and yeah i'll tell you right now i'm not wearing it <laughs> i'm not wearing it this looks like you're walking around with a painting um respirator where you like unscrew the filters from the sides yeah, I'm sure it's a lot lighter because obviously it's like clear plastic and like all that kind of stuff. I would not want to wear it though. I don't even want to wear the thin little medical mask that I wear all the time. But it just looks heavy. It looks big. It looks like way too big. Like it's gonna consume my face. It okay. It I get what they're going after though. This looks like you're a video game character kind of thing. Like if you're okay, if you're going, if you're an EA game player and you play competitive, you're in a part of a team and you're going to arena and everything and people are watching you and all that other kind of crap. You probably actually want this mask because everyone's going to look at you and be like, Whoa, he has the razor mask, blah, blah, blah. You know, all that kind of stuff. 
but I don't know. I, I, it's a cool thing. Way too much for me. Yeah, it, it, it is a lot. I have to admit, right? Like it, I, I find it cool personally, right? I think it's, it's a really cool looking, uh, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know, it just looks cool to me. It seems fun and something interesting, something new. And it's safe, right? But here, here's the kicker, though. I do have to admit, the price tag is it's going to be around $200 to purchase. And not only that, the filters, I believe they're going to be around the price of like 35 bucks for like 15 filters. And I forget the recommended time of which they asked to, for you to change out these filters. So it, it's a pretty hefty price. I think if somebody got this mask, it's going to be somebody that is already not going out a lot because you're going to be spending a lot for these filters. Um, Your price is wrong. What are the pricings? $99 for the mask or $149.99 for the starter pack mask and three sets of filters. Oh, well, there you go. So it's over a hundred bucks. Oh yeah. But it's yeah. RGB, guys. <laughs> well, I'm sure but my that the, face can glow. <laughs> I am sure, though, that the quality of the mask is pretty up to par, though. You know, for for what they're charging for, and for obviously, I think probably I, I'm pretty well, sure no it's like CDC. It's Razor. I'm sure it's going to be good quality. Razor is a good quality brand. They make good products. Um, like I said, if you're going to a land party. Or you're going to like an EA competition, like that's what this mask is made for. This isn't what you would get to like go grocery shopping. You know, <laughs> this is what you buy. So when you walk into this place, you and your whole setup is looking flashy and it's eye catching. But as far as a mask, you're not buying it for the mask, you're buying it for the visuals and the look what I have. Yeah, it's like a stylish statement. I wonder, doesn't like Gucci have masks and stuff? Probably. I think I, so, yeah. I would assume so, and I could have, I, I bet that the price tag on that is absolutely ridiculous. So it's kind of like you're just repping a brand, you know? Um, That's what this mask is, you're repping a brand. You know, it, it's it's interesting. It's cool. I, I think it's kind of cool that at least that they took a step, you know, and... And we're doing something that was proactive and also trying to design something new, you know, like unique. You're the brand because yeah. you barely see their logo on this mask. It, it's so cool. I don't, I don't know. see their logo anywhere on it. Would I personally... And totally unlike um, Razor to not put their logo all over something. I think would, would I wear it out to the store, like you're saying, Tyler? I don't think so, right? And... Uh, I think I would only really wear it maybe, you know, because I'm in Chicago quite a bit. So it's like maybe I'd, I'd rep it out in Chicago and like just, you know, freaking just to see people's faces and uh, feel nice and safe. <laughs> um, but I, I definitely like for me, it's not like the person's lips through it. I will admit that that's one big thing I really don't like about the mask. OK, I, I like it, but I hate it. When someone's looking at me, I can't tell if they're smirking. I can't read their facial language with the mask as well. But with this one, where, where I can see the lips, I feel like it's going to be easier for me to understand you. But also at the same time, I could tell 
if you either like what I'm saying or I'm pissing you off. <laughs> I tell you what, if if I had money to throw at it, I low key would get it. If I had money, to, if like just if I had good enough spending money or something like that, I would get it because I would be curious to test it out, see how comfortable it is, see if I like it. Um, yeah, I I think I I would get it. But I I know it's a, it's a jarring design. It's something new. I thought it was just very interesting to talk about, especially in the tech uh, slash gaming community, that this podcast is you know predominantly always looking at right life tech and everything geeky. So it's just like, uh, in terms of like the tech aspect, I I find that awesome. I I'm very proud of uh, the tech community developing something like this, and who knows eventually uh we might have better and more sort of revolutionary designs in the future uh that is going to keep us safe while also kind of adding a little bit of style um but with that we talked about brands and there's a big news story um and development and now we talked about this company quite a bit uh in one of our most viewed videos microsoft's ups upswing pardon me uh is out it's we talk in season two and the last we discussed about microsoft was the big buy of uh zenimax which owns bethesda studios and several other uh i believe subsidiary uh just smaller companies that are in the gaming industry and vr industry so microsoft made another big move and we have a lot to discuss about this. They bought up Activision. Like, this is insane. Like, they bought Activision. And under Activision, uh, we have quite a bit of, of other companies and large game titles uh, that we've, you know, it, it's it, it's kind of crazy. So we have, let me see here, the big, one of the next big ones that, uh, in terms of companies that we can talk that are under Activision is Blizzard, Blizzard Studios. Um, and we have Raven Software, uh, what is it, Infinity Ward, Treyarch. There's an insane amount. So this, this begs the question, uh, what's going to happen to all of these crazy mainstream titles? We have Overwatch, we have Diablo, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft... Candy Crush, StarCraft, <laughs> and don't forget and many more. Spyro, Spyro, Crash Bandicoot. So it, it begs the question: What's going to happen? Are these? Do we want exclusives? Are these? Are these games going to be exclusive? Like, what? What are your guys' thoughts? The the game is like Call of Duty, Overwatch. You know those those open competition games that are already across multiple platforms, you, I, I would hope they wouldn't move them to be an exclusive. Because the moment you do that, you're going to kill Call of Duty. And that's a huge moneymaker. And you're going to kill Overwatch. Because those right now are, are cross-platform, if I remember correctly. I know Call of Duty definitely is. You can't make that exclusive, even though you're going Microsoft and PC. Okay, yeah, maybe that's two-thirds of the gaming world in that realm. But if you take that away from PlayStation, 
there's a lot of people out there that would be like, oh, hell no, and they would just go buy an Xbox. But there's also a lot of people out there that would just lose access to the game. Yeah, and... I um, the way I'm looking at it, first, first off, you said this was a big acquisition. This is a huge acqu- acquisition. This is like, mm-hmm. this is probably the biggest not Sony or Xbox or Microsoft owned uh, company in the gaming industry, I'm pretty sure. I mean, they paid s- almost seventy billion dollars to buy this. Um, oh, so this is like move. huge. It's a big move. <laughs> it's huge. I mean, the thing is, is like you all you have to do is there's so many huge IPs here. Call of Duty, probably the biggest IP out of all of them. But then you also have World of Warcraft, which is massive. Candy oh, yeah. Crush, which is massive. Overwatch, which has its own, like, league. Um, and, like, there's plenty of other games that are, like I mentioned, they own... It's funny. Sony, when Spyro and Crash Bandicoot first came out, Sony had exclusive rights to them. And now Microsoft has completely flipped the switch and are probably going to make those exclusives. I'm assuming is probably going to happen. I think that World of Warcraft is PC exclusive anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't know anything about StarCraft. I'm assuming it's a PC game. It, I believe uh, it's a PC game, kind of like World of Warcraft. Like, okay. so, I, I, do know, I do know Microsoft has had a goal for a long time to make gaming more available to people. And they really were pushing for cross-platform gaming. I would really like to see all these games go cross-platform, hundred percent. I and, and I think Microsoft would make a really good decision in doing that. Um, the thing is, is I don't know. Like what, what I was going to finish saying was, I think that all of these games are probably going to go exclusive, except for Call of Duty. Like the other ones are already kind of exclusive, anyways. Like Candy Crush, like. I'm not counting that one. That one, it's a phone game. <laughs> um, mobile. But Call of Duty is the one I'm a hundred like I would bet quite a bit of money on that will probably not go exclusive because of the fact it is the biggest game every single year. It sells the best every year. The only year in the last like twenty years that it hasn't well, not it's twenty like ten years available on everything. Yes, well that's it's what I'm saying. They're not going to PC. Uh, Xbox, PlayStation, and mobile. You're like you're you're in with all of that. But w- what I'm trying to say is, I don't think that they're they would never. Call of Duty is bigger than any of these of these platforms. They're not. This is the Call only game. This is the only game out of all of the games in the entire market. That I don't think. No matter like any other game, you could take and turn it into a exclusive, and it would. I mean, sales might go down, but your profits are probably going to go up because you're going to cause people to buy your console. I think profits will go up in some ways. The problem is, is you don't acquire something for this amount of money, Call of Duty, and then affect its sales. Because let's be real, this the main piece in this acquisition is Call of Duty. Like This is the biggest game every single year. It's been the number one seller every year but one year in the last 10, and that was Grand Theft Auto Five. So, like, this is the I I don't think that game will ever go exclusive, but I think the rest, 
I mean, the PC games will probably stay PC. I don't think they're going to give rights. Because, like, with the Bethesda and the Zinemax deal, all of those games are going exclusive once their uh, contracts go away. And I think that's probably what's going to happen with all these, is they're they're going to... The games like Overwatch, it's already on the console, on the other console, then I think they'll probably keep it there. They'll probably like that one's fine, but if they make Overwatch 2, it'll be exclusive. Yeah, so like Diablo, I, same thing. I do have some information uh, in terms of exclusivity stuff and whatnot that one of the heads of Xbox had um, discussed. And one of the things that they had said was that they were going to carry out all continuing contracts that they had with Sony and not look to cut, you know, or break ties with those contracts. But what does that mean, right? Like, so in the way that uh, this individual had worded it, um, and I should have probably looked up his name, but um, so he said that, right, like he's just, they're going to, going to, they're going to carry out the contracts. And that means like, well, once the contract's over, it's kind of free game, right? Like he was putting it in a nice way. Like, yeah, we're going to carry out, you know, and we're not going to obviously have to pay out all these contracts or cancel all these things because I think Overwatch 2 is still slotted to be uh, part of PlayStation as well. Um, but very much after these contracts are done, now this is open playing field. Either they can well, that, that's they just can bleed Sony for for like some money, or they could just you know give them a run for their money and make these games exclusive. Um, that's just a basic business decision, though, because okay, if if you just bought someone, you just spent seventy billion. You didn't buy the contracts; you bought the company. Well, if you want the contracts, now you got to buy those too. Yeah, or. And what you're basically explaining, let them expire, and then you've acquired them anyway for free. Yeah. So because the next contract is going to be with your signature on it, not their signature. So what does this like you know mean for Xbox? So does this start the exclusivity war? Oh, that thing's been going on long, long time. Well, <clears throat> PlayStation sorry, started that stuff. Yeah, um, so, you know, in terms of, like, exclusivity war, right, uh, is this now going to mark an era of does Call of Duty become exclusive? Does, you know, uh, Overwatch become exclusive? Because here's the thing. It's going to be exclusive, but you forget Xbox is on PC. Like, they're fairly well-known for their PCs. I mean, everyone runs Windows. Everyone runs, you know, uh, Microsoft quite a bit. So... Now, yeah, if you're a it, gamer, it, you're either on a you're on a console or you're on a Windows. You're not on a Linux or anything like that. Exactly. So you're regardless of Microsoft. So you're running from Xbox to PC. So honestly, I think that's fantastic exclusivity because you're still kind of technically getting cross-platform. You're just not able to play with PlayStation. Um, but with that said, I mean, what does this mean for like the future of Call of Duty? And I feel. That personally, um, they're going to start focusing over quality, over quantity. At least this is the direction that I hope they're going to go in as well. Because right now, Call of Duty is all about quantity, right? We're going to put out a game. We're just going to make money. And the Activision right now is having a huge 
worker dispute right now. There's a lot of like sexual allegations that have been happening um, as well as them being overworked. All these studios are starting to like uh, Infinity Wars, Sledgehammer Games, Raven Software. They're all bringing it up to Activision saying like, you know, this is this is a lot. We're being overworked. And I think that with Microsoft buying up Activision, this is going to offer up more quality video games. And this is something that we want. We want quality over quantity. Listen, I love Call of Duty, but I'm starting to hate it because it's it's not like... I think Call of Duty started losing its flavor from after COD 4 all the way to black ops 3 and then it just kind of was weird after that <laughs> you know it just got really weird after it but the in-between was kind of good so you know there's there's a lot that they got to fix with that franchise i believe like currently they're really screwing up on on warzone right and that's one of their biggest uh kind of ips that they're working with in terms of call of duty so i mean yeah and i think it's i to be honest if they did go exclusive I don't think it's going to hurt them because if anything, it just makes more people want to get into Xbox or get a PC, <laughs> you know, I don't, and, and that's more money for think them. About it, Call of Duty is a sweaty game. The people that are really playing competitive, I, they're probably already on a computer, so it doesn't matter. There's probably not going to be a lot of competitive gameplay loss on Sony. I don't think I, there would be. I don't know. I don't know. Be a lot, because there's a lot out there, but not as much as you would think, I don't think. Call of Duty League, which is one of the bigger ones, is they use they use uh, they went to this a couple years ago, they went to using PC, but they use uh, PlayStation controllers um, because PlayStation ha- right now has the uh, early access rights for Call of Duty stuff. Um, so the only thing that would change there is they they would probably switch them to Xbox controllers, which I think, if I'm being honest, I think it's only at LAN events that they are required to use a PlayStation controller, and even then, I'm not sure. But um, I don't like. I kind of agree, and in, in some ways, I agree. I don't think that it's going to hurt competitive gaming. But one thing I'm curious. Know, you said something, Justin. You said something about uh, if they make COD exclusive, it won't hurt them, and I think you're right. I think it'll help them in a lot of ways. I don't think it'll maximize profit. I think if they say this, if they want to kill off Sony and kick them out of the gaming market, this would be the first step in doing so. And I don't think that that's Microsoft's goal. I think that their goal is to gaming you know like the one of their things like uh Tyler said is like, they want everybody to be able to enjoy video games and so i think that they're gonna make a lot of these exclusive but i think the big title call of duty maybe overwatch are just going to continue to do their thing um and i probably what will happen the biggest change will probably be Right now, PlayStation has the early access rights, and they get like a game mode for a year early compared to Xbox. And I think that um, it'll probably happen is because I think they have those rights through 2023, I think. 
2033 Call of Duty. I think they'll get keep that, but once that's over, I think that that will switch obviously to Call of Duty. Um, I think maybe the next step is if they do go exclusive with Call of Duty. I think that Microsoft's next step would be trying to get uh, Game Pass onto the PlayStation, which would be really big because, like, it would it would open up a massive market. To, I'm uh, glad you mentioned that because that was one of my big questions. I, All I these games that were exclusive to a certain console or you bought them on a PlayStation, you mm-hmm. can't take the ownership of the game away. But are they going to stop updating the PlayStation version or something like that? Is there going to be a way that I can make an account to still have access to the game? I think in terms of like the servers, you will still have access to. Um, but I think if like Call of Duty does go exclusive, it would probably be just with the more modern games. Um, but mm-hmm. even with that said, I mean, I don't. I I I do agree that you could still keep Call of Duty on multiple platforms. Now, though, that exclusivity deal in terms of like they get first access, early access, this and that, all yeah. towards Call of Duty, I mean, that's gone. Like- company owns the game doesn't mean they can't sell now what i what i do hope too is that um before i i because there's a couple of thoughts that i have but so yeah so what i think that and what i'm hoping is that you know the that infinity war and stuff has ideas in the back pocket right like of new franchises that they want to pursue and hopefully they're new like either competitive or even if it's just campaign driven um, games that are going to be developed specifically for Xbox exclusives. I think it's a good buy by Xbox, right? In terms of the the exclusivity war, they hold a lot of leverage. But with hold- that said, though, I still don't want one company to overhold too much leverage because then that's how you stop the competitive market. You, you have to have healthy competition. Exactly. Because if you turn a company into the big company that controls everything, okay, now all of a sudden price isn't controlled anymore. Exclusive features isn't controlled anymore. Um, Quality of the game may not be controlled anymore because they're going to eventually think, well, we own everything. Why do we need it? We're the only company that can give you this product. Why do we have to do it a certain way? So, and now Microsoft... uh, they they will focus more on the quality of gaming and more on the gamer, whereas Sony typically would focus on making the money. So I believe Microsoft is probably the better company to own something like this. But if it turns into a monopoly, you do start to get outcomes like that. And that's what I would be afraid of. Like, okay, are these games going to eventually lose quality? Are they going to be, you know controlled by a certain person that has one view and you can't put multiple views into it anymore you know it you for a good for a game to be really good it has to also have a lot of attention to detail but it has to be really diverse i'm not sure how many companies they have left before they are considered a monopoly by the government because i know when you hit a certain level of companies that you purchase and you do become a a monopoly the government does issue that company to sell uh or get rid of certain businesses because they're not you know they don't want the market being over controlled like disney i don't believe they could purchase any more 
um, companies because then they're considered a monopoly and then they're forced to disband and they're going to lose all that money. So I think that Microsoft could still buy up. make it to that point is what I'm saying. They're not to that point yet, but if they make it to that point, that's when they start making the bad decisions. I don't think we have to worry about them ever getting to that point because one thing like in terms of the market like they i i still don't think they even they're not even at 50 percent because we always forget but like nintendo's probably got the best exclusives of any company they mario and pokemon are bigger than a lot of these like the pokemon brand maybe not game sales wise but the pokemon brand itself which is owned by nintendo it's bigger than the, probably the entirety of everything that's on here on Activision. Well, I think like talking more about like AAA titles and bigger games. You know, like, but, like but, Nintendo yeah. Switch and all that. They have their exclusives, but it's a, in my opinion, it's a it's a different audience. But but you like the audience might be different, but the like the market is still this like it's still the same market like it's going to still be under the same market cap like in this and like the stock exchange is going to be under the same category and that's what the government's going to go off of you're not going to look at not going to look at oh well these games are catered towards younger people they're going to look at okay i understand that completely but i don't you know microsoft isn't going to try to really compete with nintendo they're they're gonna try to compete with console gamers, you know, PlayStation, Xbox, computer. So I don't want them to get to a space thinking like, okay, we own ninety percent of the uh, PC AAA titles. Yeah. We own ninety percent of the Xbox and PlayStation titles. We don't need to try as hard anymore. We don't need to put most more quality in. People are going to buy the games because they want to play the games and they they can't really do anything about it. That's where I'm worried about the competition and where I'm worried about the quality level. I don't yeah. want people to get too strong-headed and start to focus more on making the money because they control everything rather than putting the quality and the time into the game and, and what really needs to be produced. So I don't then, think we have to worry about yeah. it. Sorry, I just want to no, put in. I don't think we have to worry about that because even with this acquisition, I think that all this does is bring uh, Xbox back into like maybe they're like a little bit ahead, mm-hmm. probably a little bit more than a little ahead. Or they've got a, a lead now. Where before, before this acquisition, I would say that Sony overall had the better better exclusive uh library but with this now i would say that call of duty's like a couple ips ahead maybe three um and that's just because call of duty is just so big uh if it were if call of duty if you remove call of duty from this i would say that they're on par now um call of duty just so big and like i said i don't think that they're going to make it exclusive their only goal if if they do make it exclusive, the goal would be to either A, get Sony out of the market, which I don't think is their goal, or it's B, to try to push to get Game Pass on the PlayStation, which would be awesome. I feel like that would be a way better outcome. I think that's probably the more likely outcome. If they announce they're going exclusive with Call of Duty, I would not be surprised within 
four to six months after that, it's announced that Game Pass will be on uh, PlayStation because Microsoft has come out and said that they're pushing their the future of gaming. They believe is streaming uh, is cloud gaming and uh, Game Pass is that. And if you look at the numbers of people on it and the fact that they literally are putting every single exclusive on there for free, like at least a free version of it. And like, for example, uh, the new Forza game, like you can pretty much do everything you want in that game uh, and not have to pay for it besides playing for your game pass. And it's only like a select cars that are exclusive to like buying the actual game. So, yeah, it's almost like buying DLC packages on PC. Yeah, so yeah, DLC. I, I do want to. Uh, so, in terms of Sony, they are actually working on their own Game Pass, um, which I I do want to save for another. Probably next episode, we'll we'll discuss a little bit more in depth about their Game Pass and the plans that they have for it. Um, but yeah, that they're working on their own competitive Game Pass. So it's it's cool because that's where the future is going but now microsoft has this huge leg up now in the industry in all honesty because they have all these game studios they they already were innovating in the game pass and you know they're still working on cloud gaming when you use it it's still kind of iffy um it's in beta so there's it's going to be in beta for quite a while until they really nail it but they're they're seeing the future and they're definitely going towards the future and in your thoughts tyler and how you were feeling in terms of uh okay well are they going to get lazy is, is i'm scared that they're gonna you know not be they're gonna take a, a step back in terms of like wanting to make sure they have quality games and and not do that i don't think that's the case if anything i'm happy uh that microsoft came in and swooped in and bought activision because Activision was, it was kind of falling apart, like internally. Like it just, you know, the they were just in such a huge turmoil in terms of like their working area. It was just, it was unequal for, you know, the the different genders, and it was unequal for in terms of like pay, right? And it was unequal just for like the power dynamic that they had. And Microsoft is very famous for having good work environments, good equal pay, good equal. Uh, and here's another thing that Microsoft that I love about them is that they always listen to their customer bases. Like when they tried raising gold, people got upset and were you know not happy with that. They listened to the customers. They brought it back. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see where Microsoft is going to take Activision. Um, I think when that... I was making those statements, I was talking like really far in the future, like if yeah. they happen to get too big. I, I get where right I get now. Um, I I think Microsoft, like you were saying, is probably the best company to make this decision because let let's say Sony bought all this. Sony would already... make it exclusive. We already know Sony is just in it for the money. Well, you know, they always go towards how my, how can I make more money? That seems to be how they always make their decisions. And Microsoft has always been, how do I please the crowd? How do I, you know, let's listen to what they want. Let's try to incorporate good business with what the people actually want. So, like, today, right now, 100%, Microsoft was the best one to make this move. But uh, years ahead... I 
I don't want it to turn into something too big. I, I don't think it will. I think one thing you you mentioned it a little bit, and I don't want to gloss over it, and I think we should discuss it a little bit before we end the podcast is the things that were going on at Activision and why this sale even happened. Because with all the lawsuits that were going on at Activision, mentioned it a little bit uh, at work environment was really bad it was pretty pretty awful and it, like you just the list when on the announcement list of all the studios every single one of them was being roped into working on call of duty in some way shape or form yeah because of how big warzone was and activision had gotten to the point where it was all about call of duty and the billion dollar game because Call of Duty is a billion dollar game. And so I think with this acquisition, one, work environment's gonna be better. Uh two, they're going to probably stress out some of these developers. And in fact, they're probably going to, because of how big call uh Microsoft is, I would not be surprised to see them start up either new studios or buy up smaller studios and like revamp it and put in a lot of effort because one of the reasons I think Call of Duty has suffered so bad in the last few years is the turnaround is so quick uh, which granted the last two the cycle was messed up because of some work problems between Ravensoft and uh, Sledgehammer but um, I think if they can get that cycle that three year cycle going like they had before whenever the games were pretty good there for a little bit um, we'll get our Call of Duty every year like everybody wants and we'll also get quality because they will have brought in more people and have brought in say, the quality is other... probably going to get back to Call of Duty it's going to go back up you sure. have people that were working on all the other games putting all their work into other games and then they were all forced to work on Call of Duty well Call of Duty wasn't their strong point Call of Duty wasn't where their artistic and everything was lying into you. There wasn't where their focus was. But now you can get more people through Microsoft that might be interested in working on Call of Duty. And all the other people, they can start working on the other games again. Hmm. So I, I feel hmm. like there's going to be a lot more balance. And I feel like that's going to be a really important part to this yeah. decision. Do you look at all these other publishers? Like, for example, the one that strikes out to me is Toys for Bob. They're the one that does... Ash Bandicoot and Spyro, mm. they have constantly been delaying their games because they were roped into working on Warzone. And right. Call of Duty and Spyro slash Crash Bandicoot is two completely different zones. And oh yeah, it made no sense. And I think with this acquisition, uh, they're either A, going to beef up Treyarch, Infinity Ward, Raven Software, and Sledgehammer, and High Noon... Because Moon, because those are the ones that really work on Call of Duty. The other ones just kind of helped here and there. I think Shanghai Studios a little bit, but I think they'll like narrow it back down to like those four: the Treyarch, Raven Software, High Moon, and Sledgehammer. Oh, I guess and Infinity Ward, so five. So they're gonna bring it back down to those guys, and they're going to work on Call of Duty and probably only Call of Duty, shuffle things around, because if some people are over working on Call of Duty, Microsoft probably has no problems shuffling them around, getting them on other projects. And I think with Activision, it was just so 
Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty. Nobody cared um, about anything else. They were willing to push every other game back just to keep Call of Duty running, and it just became unhealthy. And I think at the end of the day, the only reason that this purchase was even made is because of all all the backlash of, for Call of Duty and their games in general and all the lawsuits Activision is feeling. Because it was like, if you think about it, if you look at it, this big purchase has kind of overshadowed everything bad going on at Activision. Because now nobody's talking about that. They're all talking about Activision's just got bought by Microsoft. Everything's just going to be like awesome now. Like Call of Duty's going to be Call of Duty again. All these games are going to be awesome again. Um, like it, it's it's like the, it was just the perfect storm for Activision to finally just be like, you know what, we're going to sell. Yeah. Yeah, I I would I would say it's probably going to be in quarter three or four we're going to start hearing about um, because right now we're in quarter one quarter three or four we're probably going to start hearing about all these other games getting a lot more focus and making a lot more progress um in 2023 we're probably going to have some really good releases I will say they did announce that uh. Microsoft and Activision are going to act separately until the purchase is finalized, which is July 2023. So we're a year and a half away from all of this stuff actually coming to fruition. Like it's okay. all everything signed and everything, but it's just uh, they're they have they're waiting through because they have to talk to shareholders, buy back all the shares and stuff like yeah, that, and it just there's... so until then they're going to like everything's going to be separate. Microsoft won't be working with them at all. They stated once the sale finalizes, they're going to hit the ground running. So I wouldn't expect anything crazy to come out until probably 2024, early 2024. Yeah, I agree. It, changes aren't going to happen like instantly. You know, it's going to take some time definitely for them to just start because they got a they got a lot of companies to look into and see what Activision, you know, what they were screwing up on and what was going on in that company. So it's going to be a while for change, but know that this is definitely a good change. Um, one of the people that was actually interested in buying up uh, Activision was EA. So uh, I will say this. I'm glad that EA did not get that purchase. It would because, have been another for the money kind of yeah. Because EA, if anything, I think EA needs to get get bought up by somebody because EA right now, in terms of like they can put now. out quality, but right now they're they're just it's slipping through their fingers and they're just focusing on that money and they're losing that quality. Uh, I would from say what Microsoft used to have. needs to buy them next because they're. Yeah, I would love that. EA going down. They're starting yeah. to go down the Call of uh-huh. Duty path where. They're pushing stuff away and, and not putting in the quality of work. And I think if they were to buy EA, EA, I guess I didn't think about EA. I don't know which one's bigger, Activision or EA. E, Activision has a few, Call of Duty, which is huge. But, I mean, I think EA is probably big. I don't think that the government would let them buy EA. EA would be the... Like, okay, now it's getting a little ridiculous type of thing because you think EA owns all of the, it owns Madden, it owns FIFA, it owns Battlefield, it owns, uh, they own Assassin's Creed, don't they? 
Uh, hey, no, 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 no. Um, Ubisoft. Yes, yeah, Ubisoft. Ubisoft. So that's that one. But they own a ton of like they have a huge market cap on all the sports games. They have their own basketball game, but they own the NHL series. Yeah. Um, and like, I I just don't think that the government. I think the government would step in at that point um, because it just be. Microsoft would get too big. Now, I think that if they did, like you said, it would be awesome because those games would be better. But yeah. um, that would be a short-term awesome because, I mean, right now, you kind of hinted at it before, right now Microsoft has good leadership and they're not, they listen to the customers. But, like, who said... Too much power to end. ...down the more Apple route where they're like, well, we just want, we just want money out of it we're doing we're, we like to innovate but we want to make as much money as possible type of thing so it's there's a there's a thin line there's a fine line and i think like i, I honestly this this uh purchase in general was very surprising i thought that the announcement was going to be that it, they were buying 2k or take two studios which is the 2k which owns gta um uh 2k uh the basketball games they own a bunch of other stuff like they have the ip for uh the mlb not mlb the show but the other mlb game that was discontinued a few years back i know can we get some good info for gta 6 finally yeah. <laughs> please uh, i'm just uh, waiting for that <laughs> well there was rumor uh so far recently that um i something like rockstar was working on that they were working on the GTA 6, but I forgot the details of what had people alluding to that. Everything. They um, scrapped or something. But with that said, I, I think, you know, in terms of... We definitely got more Sony news to to, to discuss next episode, so uh, there's going to be a lot to discuss there. I think we, we are at time, uh, a little over time. <laughs> um, this hour podcast probably going to be like an hour... 40 30 i hope you guys enjoy it regardless um i mean it's it's a big buy it's a big moment for gaming and let's hope that gaming now is going to start heading into the proper direction of yeah. actually putting out games i would that love are for quality. microsoft to put out a good image and see more people follow because i feel like this is a really good opportunity yeah and with that said you know, we do offer the question to you guys. Uh, how do you feel about Activision being bought up by Microsoft? Where do you see Microsoft uh, like taking Activision? Uh, are they going to make Call of Duty exclusive? Are they going to make, uh, uh, how would you say, uh, the Blizzard game, uh, Overwatch exclusive? So, you know, leave all of your comments down below. We will read them. And, uh, you know, if we get enough of you guys commenting and discussing and we definitely will talk about what we've read and what we've seen you guys uh, saying. Um, so, again, leave a like, subscribe. If you like hearing us and you're listening to us on YouTube, we have other platforms, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. So we are on multiple platforms. There's no place where you can't hear us. <laughs> so 
definitely check that out. The link is in the description. Feel free to follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Again, we are going to get very much better at that, uh, especially heading into the new season. Thank you guys for always listening. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Let's continue the positivity. Let's continue building the community all together uh, and just celebrate being the amateurs and um, discussing and talking about life.